Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Time to preview the Golden State Warriors, one of the greatest teams of all time last year, looking like they might be there again. And I want to bring in Anthony Slater, now of The Athletic. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, Good to bring back our podcast combination. It's been a a little while. Are you feeling human after that China trip? Getting there, the first night back, it was, uh, I got a little sleep and then I woke up at two, couldn't get back back to bed till six. It's just, it's weird. The jet lag stuff's weird because then you're super tired at like 2 p.m., but you're just wide awake at 2 a.m. I don't know. Yeah. My strategy for jet lag is always to just stay up on the entire flight and then just like stay up until the evening whenever I get to my destination and then go to bed and sleep for like 10 hours and hope that I'm going to be okay after that. But, uh, that doesn't work for everyone and it also depends how long your flight is too yeah well the problem is like we got really lucky where it just logistically made sense for us to ride on the team's charter because they chartered this massive flight that had you know minority owners and dancers and 160 people basically um so they had these like basically everyone had these first class pods where you could go like almost straight horizontally and i you know we're dead after the trip and you're about to be flying for 12 hours from china it was it's pretty hard to stay up that entire flight you're going right through the night yeah my my strategy has always worked for me except when i started watching the hobbit and i fell asleep that that movie it was like 45 minutes of the scene like just in in like uh bilbo's house before they even like move on to starting the quest and i fell asleep at at that point but uh anyway enough uh, fantasy nerd stuff let's talk (laughs) with the warriors here we all know how good they were last year did you perceive any weaknesses at all for this team last year you know, I think center was something we were all, you know, looking at going in because they have literally four all-stars in their prime at the other four starting positions. They have maybe the sixth man of the year in a lot of people's eyes in Iguodala. Uh, Livingston, a good seventh man. They're pretty deep. It was just the center and how they would deploy it and how those veterans would look. We didn't know what how Zaza would fit in. Uh, he'd probably fit in as... You know, he wasn't fantastic last year, but as good as you probably would have thought he would. Uh, And they didn't play him that much because JaVale McGee was better than anyone ever would have thought, you know, as that just spurt big man in those first and third quarters, just alley-oops. I mean, with JaVale and the four All-Stars, I think their net rating was maybe best in the league of any high-usage team because their offensive rating during the regular season was like 128 or something like that. And then David West, I mean, he's I think he came in at 36 last year. I think he's 37 this year coming back. And... um, he looked like he was about done in San Antonio and then suddenly this style of offense where it's passing and cutting uh, unlocked him as this like incredible uh, backup center that would come in and out. He averaged I think six point something assists per 36 minutes which is more than any center in the 
entire league last year. More Nikola Jokic, I think, who was second. So um, it couldn't have worked better with that three-man center combo. And if you have a solid center on this team, like you might not even really have a weakness unless we really get into like turnover issues and, and defensive rebounding at times. But uh, I think positionally, no, they don't really have a weakness. Yeah. See, you told me you weren't going to have any sets. That's a great stat right there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I will humbly disagree with you, by the way. I thought David West was good in San Antonio. You just looked a little cooked in the playoffs, but he actually had a pretty good regular season. Yeah. I agree. I thought I always thought he was the best uh, actual player of, of all those centers that they deployed. And then, of course, they could go to Draymond Green at center and eliminate that. Now, against uh, one other thing, too, that I think people forget last year is the first probably 10 games of the year, their defense was just atrocious. Um, and I think they just they had to change their strategy with the centers in the game from when they had Bogut in there. Bogut would just lay back on the pick and roll. But then West, Zaza, if they laid back, guys could just get ahead of steam and go right around them and finish. And that totally messed everything up. So they had to bring those guys up higher, closer to the level of the ball. And then they were able to really get back to that Warriors defense. Um, I agree with you. I, I think the other weakness that was basically just self-created by Steve Kerr was just because he would not stagger Steph and KD for the second half of the year was just creating offense on the second unit and that's what they brought in Nick Young to remedy uh how has he looked so far not fantastic that's uh been the issue of camp i'd say he came in heavy which you know you could kind of tell it at training camp in media day it was like oh he looks yeah Mar- marcus yeah. was tweeting immediately like uh yeah he might have to uh play his way into shape yeah. a little bit um and kerr who like you know surprisingly i thought called him you know a bit yeah. heavy uh which tells you that they were probably a little frustrated by it um he's looked slug he looked really sluggish yeah. in that first preseason game which was at home uh and i think he probably felt the effects more than anyone of, of this china trip because you know if you're out of shape then you want to be practicing as much as you can in training camp and playing as much as you can they only had two practices in about eight days over in china they had all these events and stuff and then their first game over there uh which is funny because he was like he beyond like steph and clay and durant he was probably getting the biggest cheers over in china because apparently they love swaggy p over there um and they were really kind of trying to egg him on and i think it was the fourth quarter of the game in shenzhen that first game uh and he was doing like one-on-one moves and they were you know kind of come into their feet and he kept getting fouled and he kept kind of like slogging over the free throw line he's oh a six in the preseason on free throws he's just chucking <laughs> up free throws and missing and then he he's kind of just like I don't know he was uh, off balance a little bit on a drive late in the game in that first one and he kind of took a hard fall hurt his hip ends up you know I saw him limping around the plane limping around the city a little bit doesn't play in the second preseason game I he's supposed to practice on Wednesday which which is the day we're talking right now um so it's not a serious injury but he's just out of shape and you know you mentioned this they gave him as much as they could have which is the taxpayer mid-level like they kind of dug a lot of money into him I think it was a lot a lot of the chunk that Durant gave up was to get Nick Young. Uh, but at this point, I kind of expect Omri Caspi to play over him early in the season just with the way both their camps have looked. Caspi's looked really good, kind of just fitting right into their system. Whereas Nick Young, not only has he looked sluggish, but I don't know if you remember that first preseason game. He was like running where other people were going. He just looked kind of, you know, awkward yeah. in the, in their offense where Caspi's just immediately yeah. cutting. Yeah, not a player who's noted for his intelligence. And obviously he thinks of how do I go get the ball first? you know as opposed to like
like how do i make things easier for this but yeah like coming into camp out of shape like that's pretty weak like that's some like 80s stuff when like guys didn't work out at all during the off season like if you're on the warriors like you need to come into camp in shape like that that's pretty bad and i i made a prediction on twitter the other day that i think that by the end of the year uh that both mccaw and caspi will be ahead of young in the rotation um what do you think of that prediction yeah i mean look mccaw's be coming in all three preseason games he's coming around the four minute mark of the first quarter i think he's gonna get 18 20 minutes a night maybe uh he doesn't look great in preseason but i just think they're ready to kind of turn over and every night roll to him um I, you would have probably expected coming into camp even if mccaw came in earlier nick young would probably get more minutes i'd probably think at this point mccaw's probably is gonna get more minutes and then if young you know if this rough beginning continues for young he doesn't get into great shape and maybe because he's not in great shape he gets these little minor injuries like he just got one already uh then i think caspi hops him and if caspi hops him and he's not playing much and then you get into the regular season in the nba where you you know these guys barely basically practice where they get in shape is on the court playing 82 games a year but if you're on the end of the bench you're not really getting in great shape then it just might be one of those you know a snowball effects where caspi just stays ahead of him all season yeah and also i and they're gonna try to get him because the players want that you know like they gave up this money for him like if he doesn't play at all uh you know they're gonna try to make it work and that's just the way that steve kirk coaches as well and i could even see them doing something where it's like okay nick you're gonna we're just gonna deactivate you for two weeks and we're just gonna try and get you in a better shape you know do something like that uh but uh, yeah you know i i think i mean the guy had one good year out of the last five basically and so expecting him maybe to come in motivated might uh, have not been exactly uh i think you know he wanted to be on the warriors in part due to some of the attention that you get from being at golden state and maybe that's part of it so we'll see whether he actually gets there or not and i think again as i mentioned like i thought that getting him is a luxury and obviously anybody that you get on this team is a luxury with the talent that they have but it's largely a self-created problem that steve kerr just has to play steph and durant pretty much exclusively together and so this idea that they need more scoring on the second unit is only because of that and and i know durant kind of failed in that role uh but why did you think that was why when they played durant separate from steph from the first half of the year like why didn't those units work um you know i think it was still durant's transitional phase uh and you know that unit well you know it is their worst unit probably it was still pretty effective in the way it is effective is cutting and um you know passing and not much iso i mean it's david west out of the high post it's Ian Clark, who they had last year, back cutting and Clay Thompson running off a pin down and shooting and Draymond kind of doing his thing. Whereas Durant, you know, Durant's, especially at that time, because, you know, when we're talking his first couple months of last year, he was still kind of, he was in a Nick Young phase of not, he wasn't out of shape, but he was just trying to figure out where do people run in this offense? Wait, I need to cut through if I'm coming down. Like there was those awkward moments with him. And I just think the mix of that unit that was supposed to kind of just be passing and, uh, you know, weave around uh it was was a bit of an awkward fit and you got to remember when we're talking about unsuccessful lineups with this team even Durant in the second unit or this current second unit that we're talking about without Durant or Curry like it's still a net positive I mean they're still playing pretty solid over like the the long haul because pretty much all their lineups are successful it's just what level of success are they having and uh yeah it was a bit strange how Durant's second unit wasn't as great but I mean the truth is this team the last what three years at least like when Steph Curry's on the floor, their net rating goes through the roof. And when Steph Curry's off the floor, regardless of if it's Durant and others, it's just not going to be as good. Yeah. And I think the other thing I would say.
say too they didn't necessarily give that unit a fair shake because early in the year i forget exactly what it was that they went to clark but it was livingston iguadala david west and draymond a lot of times playing with that unit they bring clay in at times later as well but they just didn't have the spacing really for durant to be that successful and it did devolve into a lot of isos for him all right we'll get into some of the other new additions who's going to get better who's going to get worse on this team right after this so like i think many of my listeners i've never been a huge watch guy i didn't really see ones that i liked in what i considered to be my price range i don't think i'm ever going to be someone that goes for one of these watches that are thousands of dollars or even ones that are four or five hundred dollars but i couldn't really find any that i liked that were less expensive than that until i was introduced to movement watches by selling online, they're able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price for the first time, making watches that are stylish and reasonably priced. I'd recommend that you just go check them out. The URL, mvmt.com, movement.com slash capspace. Just go to that URL and take a look and see if what you like there. Just go to that URL and take a look and see if there's something there that you like. I went there when they're talking about coming on the show as an advertiser. And I was just really impressed. I happen to like their 40 series. That's a little smaller. That's uh, more my style. My girlfriend has one of their smaller ones as well. My mom got one. She got one for my cousin's her nieces as well so for men or women it's just a great way to improve your look and get a quality fashionable timepiece at the best possible price they've now sold over a million watches in 160 countries so if you're an international listener of the pod this is a great way to support i know not all of our sponsors ship internationally but movement certainly does once again the way to get started with them mvmt.com movement.com slash cap space that url is easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time on the program and that url is also important to let them know that you came from us and to get 15 percent off they're already extremely reasonable prices they start at just 95 dollars once again movement.com mvmt.com slash cap space join the movement okay so another newcomer omri caspi to this group what do you see his role being on this warriors team yeah i mean we kind of talked about it a little bit already but if he can hop nick young it's it's in clark's role of last year except probably you know just bigger he, they, they talked about him maybe playing a little small ball four even which which ian yeah. clark could obviously never do um but it, you know, we saw it in his so he misses the first preseason game because he was um you know observing yom kapur and then in his second one that was, that was a good pronunciation there okay i was a little worried you, most but most most uh most of you guys don't do quite as well though, but, uh... <laughs> um and so it's <laughs> his second preseason game the first one in china i mean right away he uh backdoor cuts uh he had a t- he kind of flew in for a tip back i mean he's not like athletic at all like he's not he has no burst really on drives yeah. but he's just like kind of crafty and he's just a smart player uh he he um he reads double teams very well uh, uh, Iguodala kind of had it in like a mid post area and they doubled him and he immediately zipped back door. Iguodala hits him with a bounce pass dunk. Uh, and it's just, he, it was like right away, you're like, man, this is a newcomer that really fits their offense whereas yeah. uh, Nick Young it's obviously like such a transitional phase this guy like looked like he has been on the team last year and you can tell he fits in well with the guys Zaza really likes him because you know, maybe that international connection and 
Um, I, Steve Kerr seems to love that style of player and has already mentioned multiple times how much he loves Omri Caspi's style of play. So uh, it's just, to me, a bigger Ian Clark that can you know really versatilely fit more in lineups uh, that Steve Kerr may fall in love with to the point that I wouldn't be surprised if he had some bad games. Fans would grumble like, oh, you know, he's the new James Michael McAdoo, basically. Yeah, and but Caspi also can spot up from extremely yes, deep. Yes. You know, I think that's a, that's something where you know he can spot up from that Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon type of range that we saw Houston doing last year. And defensively, you know, he's not a one-on-one stopper, but he's someone who can switch and not just get killed in most matchups if you're switching around. So I do actually, I think, expect to see him play more as a small ball four as well. I think he'd be a nice fit if Draymond Green goes to the bench late in the in the first quarter with those type of units um who else do we got we uh jordan, jordan bell, bell someone yeah. another guy we should probably talk about yeah um so you, to me he's his 38th pick in the draft basically they bought it from the bulls for about i think 3.4 million um and he is coming and he is basically the james michael mcadoo replacement uh except it's pretty clear already he's a lot better of a player than mcadoo was and you know to me it's pretty clear he's already hopped damian jones and kavon looney uh to be the young center on the rise on this roster that is pushing the veterans for minutes now it's going to be hard to get minutes from the veterans because they brought all three back where zaza's entrenched as the starter that doesn't come with a ton of minutes but it's zaza still going to get his first and third quarter minutes javel mcgee's done nothing to lose his spot that we talked about so it's going to be tough to push JaVale for minutes and then David West to start the second and fourth quarters they love him in that second unit so sitting there thinking there's not really a, a path for Jordan Bell to, to get playing time right now but he's kind of forcing it to, you know it's early but it seems like he's forcing his way in where he you we think he's gonna be a good defensive player I think anyone who studied the draft studied him was you know he seems to be at worst an average NBA defender right away and with an upside of being a very good switchable you know not you know not yeah. fully Draymond Green but can yeah, but that's the thing to me that's so important is and I like the theory of him because Kerr would go with McAdoo as kind of a speed center a switching center but he wasn't a good enough overall player to play you know in real games against teams like the Cavaliers and that was obvious given the fact that he's now on a two-way with Philly but when we talked about their weaknesses at the top of the show and they are admittedly few one of them was when anyone other than Draymond Green was at center you know they really could struggle to guard and especially guard the Cavaliers and probably Houston is going to fall into that category as well maybe even OKC depending on whether how they decide to play that when they didn't had they had to play conventional pick and roll defense with some pretty slow guys like West and Zaza and, and JaVale McGee they could really get taken advantage of by just running one five and or three five pick and rolls over and over again and, and you'd think maybe with Bell out there if they can groom him for that role I would I'm not gonna predict he's gonna play a lot in the playoffs this year because he's a rookie but eventually you could see it as now we don't have to play Draymond at center as much which of course Kerr hates doing uh even despite the fact that you know it works yeah you, you know I almost think that's where his path for minutes might be in the regular season where in the first halves of games against you know whoever that they're playing the nuggets or magic or somebody like they just decide especially in the first half there won't be any Draymond at five minutes because they don't have to force those because they're probably going to be up big on most teams anyways so maybe they just try to get bell minutes in that fourth you know tag team in where it goes uh zaza to javel to west instead of going and hammering out uh the final five minutes of the half with the uh, hampton's five lineup you just go to Jordan Bell and give him minutes with some of the all-stars and uh he fits well but you know 
to continue with Bell, defensively is where we kind of knew he was already advanced. Offensively was where there was a major concern. He cannot shoot at all. Uh, he didn't even really attempt to shoot in college. Uh, he was a little turnover prone, bobbling some passes. But the first three preseason games, number, first game he, he connects with Draymond Green twice, once on a, a, like a smart lob where he faked a pin down and then just uh, zipped to the hoop and they threw it over Jokic. Yeah. They used to run that with Bogut yeah. a lot. So it's uh, it, the same same action. Yeah, it was like, okay, right there. You know, he seems to have some intelligence on plays like that where, you know, you haven't seen Kevon Looney or Damian Jones do anything like that in two years, basically. Um, and then... Yeah, no, I, well, Looney can't jump. Yeah. And Jones, I mean, he, he, he can jump out of the gym when he really loads up, but I think he, he really looks lost out there to me still. Yeah, so like that kind of play right there, you're like, okay, you know, he seems to have a smart connection already. Then game two of the preseason, he made about four interior passes that were, you know, like right away you're like oh nice pass and then the next possession now you're like oh that's another nice pass by Jordan Bell it's just you know quick little uh you know one dribble drive bounce pass to the other block that turns into a layup he probably had two assists and could have had about four or five in a maybe 12 minute period uh and then the third preseason game I don't know if you saw the end of it but he came in and it was it was against the Wolves you know second and third stringers but he in about a three minute stretch scored 10 points it was just like you know ripping balls at half court in like a mini press type thing and just I think he had three dunks in about two minutes um and he's just like he just pops on the court every time that he's been out there and uh I don't know that to me is like already it just seems like they got to find him a role because if they can advance him and use him more I mean it just it just makes him stronger um are they gonna decline Kevon Looney's fourth year option you gotta think so I mean there's nothing uh official on that and i guess it won't be official till they don't pick it up on the third because you don't have to do you don't yeah, have to do have anything until into, october 31st yeah, you don't have to do yeah. anything if you're not going to pick it up right you just have to not pick it up so uh we won't yeah. know for sure until october 31st but uh i mean look the the progress just hasn't been there the money is and those roster spots are too precious and needed on this team um that not only do i think they're not going to pick it up but i mean if there's a team out there that wants to take on kavon Ludi, especially before October 31st and maybe pick it up themselves or just take him on as a one-year project and see how he is they I think they would be very fine just dumping him with maybe a second round pick and and giving him to an Orlando or somebody if if they were interested I'm not sure there is a suitor out there that is interested but his future with the Warriors seems I mean to be honest when you hear when you heard they got Jordan Bell it was like okay that's kind of the end of Kevon Looney with the Warriors yeah and people forget that he actually played last year but he grew more and more visibly out of shape as the year went on it seemed like he kind of given up it's good to see him actually get back into shape and i think try to resuscitate his career he does look in better shape he does look a little bit more athletic his three ball looks a little easier but yeah i mean i think it's especially because they have bell now who i think is better than him they want to give jones a chance they are always have too many bigs and centers anyway so but i mean with every dollar counting for the luxury tax next year i'd be very sorry i mean would have had to have had really like an outstanding preseason and look like he was ahead of both jones and and bell and that has not been the case so far uh all right who do you see as uh improvement candidates for this team i mean patrick mccaw certainly w- would fall into that category um anyone else that that pops out to you as someone you think uh, can get better for this team yeah, you know i mean mccaw is definitely the, the best guy to talk about in that situation but um i mean just durant within this offense and team for a full season 
I mean, he, I'm not sure he is improving as a you know basketball player, but just him around this team in year two, I think it, you know because it was really in those play. I mean, think about how good he was in the finals and really in the playoffs overall. That was kind of the culmination of a season where there were. Uh, growing pains. I mean, everyone remembers Draymond yelling at him when he's ISOing against the Grizzlies late in the game, and uh, there was an awkward game in Sacramento where you know Durant was kind of terrible in that game. Um, those games, pro. I mean, he's obviously not going to have a great game every time out, but I just think those growing pains are over, which is kind of scary for the rest of the league. Obviously, um, McCaw. I mean, if you want to get him, into him at all, though, we talked about. I think he's going to get an every night role. His aggressiveness, I should be better this. Season. Season. Last year, he started when Durant went down with a knee injury. And I mean, there was like stretches of three straight games where he'd play 20 something minutes and shoot about once. It got better in, you know, I think more than anything, if he can just, you know, we'll think back to game five of the finals when he comes in and I think he scored what yeah. two or three times in a row and had a tip back and had a really good stretch of about 12 minutes in game five of the NBA finals, like in the clincher. If you're a rookie now into a second year player who has been great in summer league, who's been nice and spurts and now you know hey look on the biggest stage i perform well with all these all-stars all over the floor um the confidence just has to be there where you've got to think in year two he should you know really take a step yeah and i think like his knack for cutting finishing around the rim he's excellent as a help defender he, he's been effective against most point guards though he got cooked by kyrie irving in the finals he's had some excellent stretches both in the regular season and the postseason against Damian Lillard and I think one thing that was interesting is Kerr saying hey he's basically going to be our third string point guard and both in garbage time and then maybe for nights when Steph or Sean Livingston is going to sit that he'll actually get more of a chance to handle the ball and I think just getting a chance to have the ball in his hands more instead of just hanging out in the corner and not touching it as you mentioned for such long periods of time it can help his confidence as well I would also point to Kevin Durant three-point percentage last year especially early in the season even on spot-ups did not shoot it well I mean he shot 37.5 percent I think that's got to be like pretty close to a career low in like the last like five or six years for him yeah um it's not just Kevin Durant's three-point percentage it's it's every all four of their all-stars three-point percentage Steph yeah. Curry was career low last year he's right around 40 something percent which you know great for most people yeah. but 41.1 yeah. I mean I don't think but yeah I mean he was he was shot 45 the last exactly two I mean he career is like 43 40 44 at least so I mean that was a career low Clay Thompson was his worst since I think his second year in the league last year he was down towards 40 uh so if they can bump that up to career averages I mean you know going from 41 40 41 to 43 44 that's huge and then Draymond Green I mean if you look at his career arc from three point it was like you know first year it was in like I think maybe even the teens I mean he barely even shot from three then it turned into near 30 and then the year before last year the 73 win season I think it was 30 percent from three which if Draymond Green's hitting 38.8% I mean that's a huge year from him that just destroys opposing defenses but he really tailed off last year in the regular season he was really good in the playoffs almost about 50% from three uh, for a long stretch of the playoffs but last year I think he was at right around 30 maybe even under 30 a little bit yeah uh, the 30.8% okay. last season. Uh, which is I mean that's a huge drop off for him so he wants to sit in maybe at least like that 36% range um, so you know you mentioned Durant 
not shooting well from three. And again, he didn't either. I think he was as bad as he'd been in about five seasons. And everyone talked about, oh, you know, now that he's on the Warriors, the space is going to be limitless. He's going to be out there just drilling open threes. You would expect his percentage to have gone up, but he shot worse than he ever did in OKC for about the last four years. So um, if you just think maybe that was bad luck or just random chance, then you're thinking the Warriors are going to be an even more dangerous offensive team this year because at least two of those four All-Stars should bump up their three-point percentage considerably. Yeah, I think that's right. And by the playoffs, of course, Durant uh, was hitting his three-pointer again, uh, as he so famously did in uh, games three and five, especially against Cleveland, had some uh, enormous three-pointers. You know, but I do think that there is, because really the, the, if you had to look at, all right, what is the vulnerability for this team? Injury, of course, is one. But if everyone is relatively healthy, I think what it really is, is Steph Curry uh, last year turned 29 uh, in the playoffs. Kevin Durant's going to be 29 this year. You know, maybe they're just a little bit past their primes and they just take a little bit of a step back. Uh, Maybe even especially Steph because he's a little bit older. You know, and I don't, I'm not predicting that either of them is going to take a major step back, but maybe that happens for them. And that, and maybe even Draymond too, a guy who doesn't, it's not entirely like a workout warrior in the off season, at least in terms of like lifting weights and keeping his body great, you know, cardio stuff. He, he works hard and he never gets tired. Um, But he's kind of an undersized guy. So maybe if his athleticism wanes a little bit, like that's the only way I see it, that these guys just like aren't, you know, just completely unassailable in the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean, Iguodala is kind of a candidate more than those guys, I think, to, sure. to take a sure. big dip. And, but the truth is... Yeah. But even even him, I don't think they really need him yeah. that badly with all that, the depth that they have now. You that's know? the funny thing. I mean, there were long stretches the last couple seasons where Iguodala's looked to a point where you're like, you know what, he might be almost done. And then, you know, he turns and he ends up turning on when he has to. So there are going to be stretches this season where we might see him play poorly, but I think everyone's kind of reacting to the point with him where it's like well let's just wait and see in the playoffs basically let's just wait and see if in the finals if he looks like this and then when he doesn't look like that in the finals oh he hasn't tailed off but um i mean he just either him or the centers because i mean look the centers we're talking about who were solid last season zaza and west i mean those guys are you know either mid 30s or late 30s so you know if one of them takes a you know really kind of long long step towards retirement maybe that affects their rotation a bit i don't expect the all-stars to decline this year i actually i think i'm writing a story about this right before the season but I think this is the best they're ever going to be as far as uh, this team in this era. I think this has a chance to be the best team of this Warriors era because, look, I know the Curry and Durant are 29, but they're showing zero signs of declining. I mean, I'm not taking much from a preseason game, but that 40 that Curry put on in three quarters on the Wolves the other day, I mean, he looks like he's come in uh, in better shape and just in better rhythm than he did probably last season. Uh, Durant is you know, a top 10, 15 player of all time, probably, if he continues at uh, the, the arc he's been on. And I just, I think his game on this team in year two is going to be unbelievable. Clay Thompson uh, just looks like basically the same player he always is, which is obviously an all-star. And then Draymond is the youngest of these four, I believe. Him and Clay are kind of close. Yeah. But um, I expect him to decline in his career quicker than the other three, but I don't think he's at that point yet because he's at the front end of his prime. Yeah. So uh, just it's with the with young kind of uh, guys in the reserve with Bell and McCaw with their entire rotation, their top seven or I think their top eight guys in minutes played last year coming back. Um, I, 
I think this will be the best they'll ever be. So I, I don't necessarily see um, decline. Yeah, and they don't have anyone now who I think is going to be bad. And if they do have guys who are bad, they have other guys who I, I think can step up as well. I mean, Sean Livingston's another guy who could fall off. But he, I mean, he's basically, I think, going to play, you know, probably 10 minutes a game during the regular season. And then they'll break him out in the playoffs when they really need some more versatility and switching. Um, and I did think he was pretty valuable during the finals last season. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, another thing I want to look at too, and we talked a little bit about some of the young guys. So uh, the crunch time lineup, we know what that's going to be. That's going to be Draymond Green at center, Andre Iguodala playing at the three, Durant at the four, Steph and Clay in the backcourt. Another thing too about Curry, and Ben Golliver actually was saying he thinks that he's going to have a, a, a better season this year. I mean, he had that MCL injury last last year and I think he that impacted his offseason work and so uh, this year maybe he was able to do more and, and perhaps that's another reason why he'll be good um what do you see as like the big strengths of this team I mean, we all know you know great shooting they have these great players but is there anything that people don't really talk about that much that, that you see as a big strength for this team um I mean defense is something that still probably gets overlooked I mean they Steve Kerr talked about it yeah. where you know he was even at the beginning of camp he's I'm not worried about the offense it's just if they can remain in the top five in defensive efficiency which is where they've sat the last few years um they're just they they can't really be beat and if they keep they just got to focus on that end and they were not good at the start of this preseason defensively because they were kind of just lolling around uh then the wolves planted something like 75 on them in the first half of uh this third preseason game the most recent one and Kerr said he went into the locker room was like hey guys like I know this has been a long trip I know it's preseason and this is a team that's been to what three straight finals and won two of them and none of this really matters but you know this cannot be a habit where we just get into these shootouts and apparently he said they go out Draymond just starts wreaking havoc all you know on the Wolves they go in this massive run I think outscore the Wolves by you know maybe 20 in about a 10 minute period and it's a lot of Draymond just uh turning that switch on I guess if we're talking about real strengths of this team that aren't talked about it's just the defensive switch that they have that other teams don't have and and the person that flips that switch pretty much all the time is Draymond Green I mean you could probably remember last year um, they were having that really rough stretch it was similar where they were tired they had the eight games in 13 days in 13 cities they I think they were like three and five in it Uh, and then they came home against Philadelphia they were struggling again at home and going into the fourth quarter I think down about 12 and Draymond Green just says you know what I'm gonna pick up TJ McConnell full court you know he's he's the center in the lineup I think that he was playing a lot it might have been with West so he would have been the power forward but he's like hey I got I got the point guard and he was just pressing him and then suddenly Philly's throwing it all over the court and they're getting turnovers and big plays the crowd gets into it Uh, they rattle off that win they come back and end up winning, I think, by 10. They outscored them by about 20-something in the fourth quarter. And then from there, I think the record the rest of the season was like 32-1. and one. So, I mean, it's just... Yeah, 32-2. and two. Okay. They, they didn't try in that Utah oh, yeah, game, right. uh, the last game of the season, and then uh, game four against yeah. the Cavs, and that was so, it. So, I mean, it's just it's that defensive switch uh, is probably uh, what they have that other teams don't have. Where They were number two in the league in defense last year, I believe, when Utah was one, or San Antonio was one. Uh, San Antonio. San Antonio was, was slightly ahead okay, of them, and Utah's yeah. around three. Like, and the thing with San Antonio and Utah's defense, it's like they're all. It just seems like they're always kind of locked in, um, and they're s- strong defensively, and you know may have better numbers than the Warriors uh, at the end of the season, defensive efficiency wise. Although it'll be close, but the Warriors seem to just when they want to, just kind of put you in that vice grip. They can do it better than anyone in the league. 
And if you look at some of the other contenders, Houston, San Antonio, OKC, you could put in that category, Cleveland, I would say that the Warriors defense, there's a greater difference between them and their competition than there is with the offense, which is amazing to say. Now, OKC and Houston, they're probably at the point where they can put out defensive lineups that are close to what the Warriors could do, but then those teams are going to strangle themselves offensively. And obviously the Warriors have such amazing two-way lineups. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a strength. The depth we talked about, more of a strength than ever. I mean, now I think for the first time when Kerr plays all these all these guys in the end of bench like they actually won't drop off as much during the regular season like it'll actually work because they don't really have any bad guys anymore yeah no i mean that's that's the strength of what we're talking about with um just look at who they've replaced their three guys on the roster with ian clark has become i guess we'll say nick young matt barnes has become omri caspi and matt mcadoo's become jordan bell i mean that's upgrade 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 if they can somehow get looney uh you know elsewhere you know if it ends up being a release i don't think they want it as an outright release because that'll cost them money but um, then they have an open roster spot for a buyout candidate. And then, you know, they really don't have a weak spot in their roster. At this point, you know, the question with them is like, who's even going to be inactive? I guess it's going to be Looney and Jones. But, you know, if they want another big man or if they get a buyout candidate that they want active, like they're just going to be an inactive guy on this roster, you know, bar, let's say no, nobody's injured, that would, you know, be heavily into a rotation. I mean, is it is it a Caspi? Is it a Nick Young? Is it a, a McCaw? Who would be like yeah. the third candidate to be inactive? Uh, if one of the other two bigs is Bell, I guess. Yeah, and I think yeah. So they they spent the three point four million to get Jordan Bell. I can't remember it was three point four, three point five. So they've got one point six left. That's probably enough to cover Looney's salary if they want to move him, and maybe that's what'll end up happening. And they you know their second rounders aren't worth a ton because you know it's going to be number sixty every year. But maybe that and a second rounder is enough to get off a of Looney's salary, and that'll save them you know where they are in the luxury tax bracket. You know probably close to five million dollars in total if they're able to move on from him all right so we hit on this a little bit with the weaknesses and what do you see i mean is there anything that if you're an opposing coach that you can attack for this team yeah i mean look you got to do two things against them you got to turn them over and then you have to uh, beat them up on the glass, especially, you know, you got to offensive rebound against them. Because if you just go possession for possession with them, they are going to be more efficient than you. So you have to get more possessions by stealing theirs away, forcing turnovers, which they can be turnover prone. When they lose, I think they average something like, you know, six more turnovers than when they win. Um, so if you can flip them 18 times in a game, and then also if you can get on the glass and rebound maybe 17 of your misses. I mean, if you look at all their big losses last season spurs on opening night i think that warriors turned it over about 18 19 times gave up i think 20 offensive rebounds christmas game against cleveland cleveland had 19 offensive rebounds against them i think they forced 18 turnovers a couple really bad turnovers late in that game um that is how you beat them that's pretty much the the common theme in all of their losses some of that is on them some of that is when the warriors just come unfocused and they just start you know dribbling around at half court you remember that boston game when they came into uh, sure. Oracle last year and uh, they turned that game in the fourth because Marcus Smart was kind of all over the place and that was when they still had Bradley and Crowder yeah. and um, those teams can occasionally give them struggles because 
especially when the Warriors aren't just completely locked in. They just, you know, they start losing the ball and then they get frustrated and then Draymond's kind of yelling and uh, you might get them on a bad stretch. But like I said, so much of that is just how the how the Warriors are playing that night, not necessarily how you are playing. The other one I that I would point to, again, another one that's been mitigated though, is trying to involve their smaller players because they switch so much defensively. Trying to involve their smaller players in small, small pick and rolls and get Steph Curry into a bad matchup they also did that with ian clark a ton in that Cavs series but now clark is gone he's replaced by larger players so that tactic is gone and the warriors have spent so much time drilling how they're going to deal with steph curry they move him around like cleveland you know they would run that but then they had a way to get at the very chance that they had to attack the warriors would be able to switch back or they'd pre-switch actions to put steph as far away from the ball as possible and they'd try to bring his man jr smith up to set a screen so it really was uh the warriors you're never going to completely mitigate that and steph also just has gotten tougher and is more difficult to beat on those plays so you can go there i mean you kind of have to if you're a lot of these teams and then they're even if it is steph in the post against someone that he can't handle they're probably one of the best ever teams at double teaming and helping and recovering so that's not a huge weakness but certainly that'll always be part of the playbook to attack the Warriors. yeah i mean you mentioned but they got the king of the recovery basically in draymond green i mean how many times has he blown up a a two-on-one advantageous situation coming down the lane that might have been because of a curry mistake or you know even just a good slip you know pick and roll or something but green just turns it into a turnover and then a you know five on four the other way and curry's hitting a three five seconds later um so that that's where draymond's value sits and you know who kevin Durant was incredible defensively as a help side guy last year i think he was ninth in the nba in block shots i mean this team led the nba in blocks last year i mean which is incredible because going into the season rim protection was going to be the biggest issue we're you know this year we're sitting here talking about weaknesses we haven't even mentioned rim protection because it was a strength for a lot of last season i mean they don't have a rudy gobert back there but you know with draymond and durant as your small ball forwards they're not really undersized in the sense where draymond is small but he plays like he's 6'10 at least especially as a rim protector yeah and then durant literally is seven foot tall and has become was by a better that was the one thing last year where everyone i'd go on radio shows or wherever and you know i covered Durant in oklahoma city covering him here and they'd be like you know what have you seen different from him is he scoring more efficiently this is like no he's kind of just as dominant an offensive player as he's always been maybe he's cutting a little bit but his shot blocking last season was way better than it ever was in oklahoma city i know it's because he played more small ball he didn't have serge Ibaka and steven adams back there and he just was in more position to do it but i was you know it was eye-opening what he did from a shot blocking standpoint during the regular season last year Draymond kind of took that mantle in the playoffs some of that might have been Durant's knee injury entering the playoffs he didn't challenge as many shots but um, just the fact of, uh, that they can do all of this play small ball do this and that and then also protect the rim almost as good as any team in the league I mean that these are the reasons why you just there's just nowhere to really throw a sword at them yeah and uh, among the underrated strengths as well is just their intelligence especially defensively and on both ends too going back to our they're just their ability to get guys into the right position to switch seamlessly to help when needed to leave the right guy open all of that is something that, that people maybe don't talk about enough is just the minds of this team uh, given all the talent that they have uh, and, and you mentioned the glass too as a potential weakness all of their potential competition except for maybe san antonio has really downsized right like okc is now going to be playing carmelo at the four they're not really going to have those guys other than steven at they don't you know cancer they don't have anymore not that he ever really bothered the warriors 
but they don't really have that like great threat in the offensive glass other than Steven Adams. And Cleveland's going to be starting Kevin Love at center. Houston had Ryan Anderson, but he's probably not going to play in some of their big lineups. Now they're probably going to play P.J. Tucker, who's not a threat in the offensive glass. So I think in some of their biggest games that now it's not going to be as much of an issue because these teams are trying to downsize more of the Warriors. And when those teams downsize, Golden State actually has the rebounding advantage against them if, when everyone goes to the small lineups, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you go team by team, if you're Oklahoma City, you basically need Mellow to be like really old, bully ball Mellow. Um on one end, he needs to be like a huge offensive rebounder, which, you know, I, I he's kind of declined in that area, right? I mean, you'd know better than me, but he just... Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he hasn't been that sort of player. I mean, the one thing that he's still great at in FIBA, especially, is he's one of the best free throw offensive rebounders that I've ever seen, because uh, he just, he's so quick, he just, and he really concentrates on it, at least in international ball. Uh, but anyway, that's not exactly the point of this podcast. Let's take a quick break and get back to uh, season predictions here for the Golden State Warriors right after this. Right now, my biggest resource, it's a tough call between whether it's time or money. And that's why I like SeatGeek so much because it saves me both. Anytime I'm looking at going to a concert, a sporting event, any kind of event, I always check SeatGeek first. They let you buy and sell tickets in just two taps. Selling tickets on SeatGeek is a great idea, just the same as buying it is. And there's two key things about SeatGeek they are going to save you time and save you money. First of all, they search multiple ticket sites. So you don't have to go to a bunch of different sites. Every time I used to buy tickets before SeatGeek, it was like a 20-minute process to really narrow it down. I was always worried I wasn't going to enough sites. That was step one. And then step two... Which seats was I going to buy? SeatGeek ranks every seat based on value. Danny used to work in the ticket business. He thinks their algorithms are really good for ranking which seats are are the best values. So it's pretty simple. What I do now, I just go to SeatGeek. I pick out the best value tickets in the general area I want to sit in. And I'm done. Two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats for the best price, fully guaranteed. So make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And of course, my listeners get a discount, which of course also helps them track that you came from us. $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. You download the SeatGeek app, enter that promo code CAPSPACE, easy to remember. You can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's promo code CAPSPACE, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, I'm going to go first, uh, and I'm going to predict 69 wins for this group. I don't think they're going to be trying that hard, and they just have so many good guys on the bench now that it's not even going to matter. I'm going 67, and I believe the over-under 67.5. I think it's a good line by Vegas. They won 67 last year. They won 67 three years ago. They won 73, obviously, two years ago. But the year that they won 73, it was, you know, their crunch time was, like, historically good. They just would pull these crazy wins out. Um, where last year they actually had a better net rating. They just were more of an average team in crunch time. And I think they were like 0-3 in overtime. They just didn't win some down the stretch. I'm going to go ahead and assume they're going to be average again in crunch time. So they're not going to you know, win all these crazy games late because I don't think they're going to push for them. One of the things in that 73-win season is they wanted to win 73 wins or they wanted to get to 73 so bad. So they would push for all these wins. They're in completely don't care about the regular season mode, which to me equals a few losses that they 
maybe wouldn't have had if they pushed for them. They're going to rest guys, although it, they're not going to mass rest, not only because Adam Silver has right. you know demanded that they don't, but just that their schedule is nice because the NBA has stretched it out. Um, I think they're going to take turns during the season. Hey, Clay Thompson's not going to play in this game in Orlando. Steph Curry's not going to play in this game in Philadelphia. But as dangerous as they are, they're going to be you know probably 10-point favorites in those games anyways because they got three All-Stars going against the Magic and three All-Stars going against uh, Philadelphia. So um, that, to me, equals maybe somewhere around 15 losses in a season. So 67 and 15. And while that is the under in Vegas, it's still just a mega number for an NBA team. Oh, yeah. It's completely insane that it's that high. And the only reason I think it's to be higher is just because I think even when they do rest guys, they now have quality contributors off off the bench to where... And and maybe if Nick Young is just as bad as we... It's starting to look like he might be, uh, that won't be quite as much the case. But I I think in general, uh, they're just... And it's just going to work so seamlessly. There are so many bad teams that even if they do rest guys against, it's not going to matter because this year in particular, it seems like there are a lot of just teams that are just never going to be able to score against this Warriors team. Like all you have to do is just switch everything and they'll have to jack up a contested long two. I mean, there's probably five or six teams in the league that just have no chance of scoring against this Warriors team. And yeah, it's just, I don't see them trying as hard, but I still just don't think it's a mirror. And I could also see Houston potentially pushing them in terms of record to where they feel like they need to, I don't see Houston winning 67, but I, I could see them at least being around through enough of the season that they still want to win games. But mostly it's just because they're so good, it doesn't matter if they try or not on a lot of You know, the one thing, I I don't know if I'm predicting it, but, you know, I'll go ahead and predict it. Um, I think they're going to have a really big win streak this year that kind of uh, invigorates them for a chunk of the season. I I don't know if it's going to be mid-20s or what it is, um, but I think they'll have these small losses. But at some point, I think they'll get to about 13 straight wins, and maybe it's in, you know, December, January, and I don't know if it's Draymond Green or whoever, but I think somebody might be like, let's go for a big win streak. Get, and then when that ends, then they really kind of rattle it, you know, throttle it back. But to me, that's the next big thing for the team. I know they had the, what, 24-gamer to start the season a couple of years ago. Um, but if they could try to push towards that 27, 30, 33 range where I know the Heat ended at thirty or at 27 a few years ago when they had LeBron, uh, the record's 33. Like that, to me, is the next regular season thing I could see this team going after. All right. Uh, best case scenario for these guys. Oh, 70s, uh, 74 even, really. I mean, like, I, they don't want it. <laughs> they don't want it, and I don't think they'll get it, but um, it's not crazy to talk about. And, I mean, if they get in that realm, people will start mentioning it again. And at first, I'm sure the Draymonds and the Durants of the world will come out and say, like, we're not even thinking about it. Um, but if it gets even within, you know, target, then I think they might just go after it because that's just the kind of the the type of people they are so um best case has got to be everyone stays healthy i mean truly the best case is that they enter playoff game number one postseason game number one with everyone on the roster healthy regardless of how many games they won but um as far as regular season record goes i mean they could push 74 i don't think they will but it's not unrealistic yeah i i guess that's true maybe they would try to just keep themselves involved and go for it um i would say maybe 
it's 72, but it, it, I mean, it's not, it's not completely well, let impossible. Me, I, I let me ask you this. Is this a better team than the 73 win team? Yes. So, I mean, it, we, then we can't really sit here and say 74. So. Last year's team yeah. was a better oh, team. Yeah. Last, last year's team was a better team and they had a better point differential. So yeah, I, I guess that's true. And maybe they do just have crazy luck. I actually expect that now they are going to be a really good clutch team again, just because they're going to play that, that best lineup and those guys all love playing together when they can and so i do expect them to be to outperform their point differential this year especially because also uh they're always so bad in garbage time although at least we won't see like you know javelle playing the three this year in garbage time that would be nice would javelle shooting the three or playing the three i, I want to see him shoot the three <laughs> yeah both <laughs> hey he wants he wants to see him the, shoot when the we three. talk about potential um, weaknesses there it is javelle yeah. really thinks that the offseason instagram videos made him a, a sniper <laughs> uh okay how about uh worst case scenario and, and we won't say you know nobody nobody key misses more than 20 yeah. games well, but you know, you know other than i mean that. that is the worst case scenario though with this team right i mean somebody does go down with the injury and durant has foot troubles that you know are in his past and curry obviously has the ankle stuff and um you know it, it could happen to anyone at any time injuries is is what could kind of derail them they were this close for to Durant fracturing his leg and missing the playoffs last year, basically. So um, that, to me, is the concern. Steve Kerr is very good at alleviating that as much as he can by really giving these guys as much practice time off. And, uh, you know, they don't play more than – none of them really play more than about 34 minutes per game. Uh, So – and they'll get their rest game. So it would have to almost be a freak thing. Uh, But – that is what you worry about with this team because other than that worst case is if everyone's healthy man i don't know like mid 60s or the rockets are just so good together that they really push this team to to try all the way to the finish line and maybe houston somehow gets like 66 wins and the warriors have a bad stretch where they win only 64 games and then they don't have home court throughout the playoffs i mean what's your worst case scenario oh like 5960 uh, just because uh, I think maybe they'll just have such a malaise about the regular season that they really just won't try you know maybe maybe that'll be what ends up happening I mean because when I say they're not trying like they still uh, I mean that more from just like an organizational coaching standpoint like the makeup of these players so far has been you know much different than say maybe in Cleveland uh, where these guys are just competitors if they are out there they are going to try like Draymond Green you mentioned like in just some random regular season game he doesn't want to lose that game you know and so maybe if they lose that kind of an edge you could see them dropping off no matter how talented they are but and maybe if someone misses misses time i think especially if draymond misses time then maybe their defense would fall off quite a bit uh but you know six, 60 and 22 is still uh not too bad for, for a worst case a worst yeah. case scenario no doubt uh here's a question i didn't i didn't have in the outline but what do you think of the chances of either steph or kd winning mvp this year um you know it's one would have to really take off over the other i, I think they you know they both have decent shots at it where durant's case would be look he was on his way to being a candidate last year before the injury um if he can keep his shot blocking at that top 10 in the in the league ranking and and becomes an all nba second team defender which you know i think he could be if he's healthy all year uh, he's gonna have his mega efficiency maybe if he shoots better from three this year he you know and he sits there as the most efficient offensive player in the league because 
he's not going to like lead the league in scoring again like he used to in Oklahoma City. But if it's just, look, hey, he's the most efficient offensive player in the league. He's also a second-team All-NBA defender. And if there's no clear candidate like there was last year with all those crazy stats, uh, because, look, you know, Westbrook now has co-stars, so his numbers are going down. Harden has a co-star. His numbers are going to go down. I just think the level you have to get to for MVP will be a bit lower than last year. And so, you know, yeah. it could be Durant because of that. And also, look, Curry has looked incredible. If he, you know, it just sits there and averages 30 points per game and it's just so hot all season and his three-point percentage not only goes back to where it normally is, but maybe he's in the 46% range and he just has these huge, maybe even record-breaking like 13 threes like he did last year he does that a few times and just has those huge like Heisman moment type games uh, and they win you know part of the reason Curry was unanimous a few years ago is because they had the rec- record wins uh, 73 and you kind of just couldn't ignore that if they get near where we're talking yeah. in the 70s and one of them is clearly a step above the other so he's not really stealing votes from the other one you know people talk about oh they cannibalize each other's votes I mean, but the truth is we all sit there and you know read the same stuff see the same stuff if one of them is clearly better than the other one then that one is going to get the votes over the other one so because um, i don't think anyone has a problem putting curry one and durant three in their mvp voting if it makes sense to so um i think there's an okay chance i'm not picking either actually i think i'm picking Kawhi leonard um and i would probably yeah but but i would i would too but he's hurt you know yeah. that's that's the concern there uh if he's not going to play as many games um and maybe san antonio doesn't get to the level they've been at these last couple of, i mean we haven't heard anything about his recovery he's still out in definitely as, as far as i know so and the spurs of course are usually pretty tight with that kind of stuff who's who do you think is a better player steph curry or Kevin? Oh, man that's a because kerr i mean kerr kind of said durant which surprised me and then and then he forgot to mention steph in his speech at the parade too i mean not that i think any of that matters but uh who do you think is, is better steph or, or uh Katie? I think the numbers would indicate for this particular warriors team that steph has like a greater impact that's plus minus that's just you know the energy of the team when he's on and off the floor basically um but i mean just it's just look a seven footer that is historically good i mean look steph's the best shooter ever so it's like this is it's such a hard question in a sense but i mean i think durant is a better more complete player but i mean it is so close and, and they do it so, so differently but just i think just durant if durant is that all nba second team type defender um on an every night basis which you know a lot of times he isn't i guess but um i think his ceiling as a basketball player just because he's so unique with just the seven foot can shoot it out to 30 feet can shoot every shot is his offense is so um fine-tuned not that curry's isn't which is what makes it tougher but i mean i guess the difference really is just the defensive ceiling that durant has that that curry i guess doesn't have well, I mean, what would I you think say? That Steph to yeah, me is okay. yeah. I think Steph is clearly a better offensive player than Durant, uh, and especially if you're just putting him on a team, the ability to just create a double team 25 feet from the hoop whenever you run a pick and roll is just. I mean, that that opens things up so much for the teammates, um, and that's something that KD is good as he is, and, and he could run some pick and roll too, but he's still not the, quite the shooter off the dribble that Steph is in pick and roll, uh, and he's not doesn't have the off ball movement 
movement where, you know, Steph Curry can create a double team on the wing when he doesn't even have the ball 25 feet from the hoop sometimes, you know, when he comes off the screen and he causes more confusion. And so it's just a question of does KD's defense make up for that? And I think that in the regular season, to me, it's pretty clear that Curry is better. If you get into the NBA Finals against LeBron James, like against the Cavaliers only, you might say, I think that KD is a better player. But I think even in the playoffs before that, that Steph was better than KD was in the playoffs. So it's really when you have, all right, KD can be this good offensively the Cavaliers have no one to guard him and he can actually credibly guard LeBron James as well and protect the rim and, and defensive rebound and do all that stuff I think maybe against Cleveland he's uh that he's better and also Cleveland just goes all out to stop Steph right and so but against maybe the other 29 teams maybe Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant it is a interesting debate and it's also a good problem to have for the Warriors right I mean it's we're debating who their best players <laughs> yeah. between one guy who has done it for so long that he's probably what the second third fourth best small forward ever already um and then curry who hasn't done it as long as durant but this little pocket of his greatness which is now what five years or so is as yeah almost as good a stretch as you'll ever see from a point guard so i mean this is just has two historic players that are just pantheon players and then be after them two all-stars one of them you know one of the best defensive players ever really like a ben wallace type defensive player so uh all in their prime so that's why we're sitting here talking about 65 wins being a you know almost worst case scenario uh all right so tell everyone about your podcast and just what you're doing at the athletic before we let you go here yeah um we'll start with the athletic move there this season with from the bay area news group with marcus thompson tim kawakami it's kind of like a new venture where uh you know it's subscription based where we put our you know our stuff's behind a, a paywall not that much about four or five dollars per month depending on if you get it on the right deal i know we are doing a deal on opening night uh you know tuesday october 17th that i believe is 30 percent off so if you're if you're on the fence maybe wait till that day and, and strike on that day but um i think it's solid warriors coverage me marcus marcus is very connected so is tim um you know we're around it every day we uh have a lot of big stories every day uh and then we also do podcasts marcus and tim do warriors plus minus i do warriors all 82 podcasts which is uh after every game basically you know nate duncan even the great nate duncan will occasionally hop on and (laughs) and talk and uh you can follow me on twitter at anthony v slater and i'll link out all my stuff and uh if you like it feel free to subscribe to the athletic it is an interesting business model for the future of journalists yeah and the other thing i would add too is even if you're not a, a warriors fan they've now got uh, outposts in chicago and toronto and cleveland jason lloyd's doing really good work there Derek bodner now has been hired in philly uh they're gonna be a really interesting team i've been following his work he wrote a great piece about joel and b's extension yesterday a- and you even get some national stuff too they're doing some national college football and basketball stuff they got ken rosenthal for baseball now so and you get all of that yep. by even subscribing locally and uh yeah you know if you if you would like uh all these people who are saying hey you know espn all these people are gone like the athletic is what you need to be supporting if you want a, a lot of sports journalism as we know it to, to live on and I, I am a subscriber and uh i hope that you guys will subscribe as well all right we'll talk to y'all next time got only i think three teams left now we got the knicks celtics and sixers remaining here in our season preview series we'll get to those uh, later in the week and early next week talk to y'all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 